Welcome to another podcast from Fire Church Ministries. We hope you enjoy this message by Ben Fitzgerald. Holy Spirit, thank you so much. Great Holy Spirit, thank you. Uh, there is times, Lord, where we just bask in your presence and you teach us through worship. There's times, Lord, where you teach us through uh, life circumstance, everything, Lord, you use as a lesson. And then there's other times where we just hear a message and a message does something. And I pray this morning by the power of the Holy Spirit, God, that you would help me to speak the way you spoke it to me and that you would speak through me to bless these people, that they would continually lead their heart in the place of faith. And God, that this would be this morning a catalyst, just a marker in the road that says this is where we're going. And, uh, and Father, I pray that you'd bless fire and everybody would hear this message in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so um, this morning I want to talk to you about faith. But I want to talk to you about faith in a different way. And I guess the title of this message, if I could call it anything, would be How to Judge God. So this is, I'm going to teach you this morning how you are to judge God. How to do it, how we're supposed to do it. And, uh, and it sounds weird and it rocks my mind when I first even read this and found this in the scriptures and God began to speak to me. I was like, how to judge God? It even feels wrong to say it. No one judges God, but you do. No one does out loud, but everybody does. All of us walk through wise in the road where things in our heart, where we have to deal with things. And Proverbs 4.23 says, watch over your heart with all diligence for out of it flow the issues of life. It's not just blood pumping out of there. It's not just an oxygen creating thing. Out of your heart flow the way you posture yourself toward people, but particularly the way you posture yourself toward God. So in other words, when people say, well, we can't judge God, of course we can't judge God. We're not his measuring stick, he is ours. We don't measure God against ourselves. The gospel is the measuring stick. Jesus is the measuring stick. But all of us have this innate place in our heart where God has given this precious gift to the heart to be able to discern things. So God didn't give you a heart just to beat and to love. He gave you a heart that can actually discern. It can lead you places. And we know that because out of the heart, even in the physical heart, where there's coagulation and stuff, even in the physical heart, the way it's made, out of that one place has all these pathways all these, like if you would look at it maybe in a, in a funny way, all these rivers of blood come out of you all over your body. And you have some areas of your body where it begins to get cut off and, and your skin begins to get numb and, and just different areas of the body, you know, feel bad or you get a pain in your leg or some kind of blockage in a certain vein or something. But the blockage didn't just happen in the vein, even though that, that blood's pumping. The blockage also has something to do with the heart. And so, because that, it all began there. All the veins began here. They all started from the heart and they all flow up and down through the body. But the heart, in in a way, is like a river and it leads in many different ways in many different places. So God said in his own words, watch over your heart. He's watching over it, but he asked you to do it as well. Watch over your heart with all diligence. Now, when God says something like that, all, whenever he puts the all statement, it's a finality statement. When God said, I desire to pour my spirit out on all flesh, you have it. I desire that none should perish, right? These are finality statements where God makes it super concrete and clear. This is my character towards you. This is the way I think toward humanity. This is who I am. It's not up for negotiation. It's not a maybe. This is who he is. And so when God said, watch over your heart with all diligence, what he meant was, if you watch over this one area of your life, many areas of your life will be watched over. So if I have a problem, if I have an area of my life that's, that's in, it's problematic, it has the destroyer near it. It feels like it's an issue. I'm sometimes very concerned about let's go and fix the problem and build this and do this and do that. I, we're concerned about those things, and we should be, rightfully. But God isn't so much concerned about the problem. He's concerned about my attitude toward it. He's concerned about what is my heart doing between me and my father, between me and people, concerning his nature, concerning his infallibility. How am I judging or discerning God's character? And I want to teach you this morning how to do it because the Lord showed me a verse of a woman who did it. And when she did it, it actually turned out for her, not just for her blessing, but just like these little stars behind us, it turned out for yours because you're part of a kingdom covenant family based on a promise given to her and her husband. So we want to read it. And if you can turn your Bible over to the book of Hebrews chapter 11, and we'll start at verse 10. We're talking about Abraham, but we're talking mostly about his amazing wife, Sarah, whose name at the time was Sarai. God changed the name. I love how God does that. He changes the name, changes you. Took Peter, who was a broken reed, which is, is what his name meant, called him the stone before he was Simon. Broken reed, called him a rock. That's what he does with us, isn't it? Takes us broken people, stone. 
rock of righteousness. It's amazing. So uh, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 10. For he waited, this is Abraham, he waited for the city whose foundations uh, and maker and builder is God. So he didn't want just this earth. He wants what God wants. And it says, by faith, now we're talking about Sarah, by faith. So Abraham was a demonstration to, to his wife in many ways of faith. Now it says, by faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed. Now when I was studying this, I was like, okay, cool. What does that word strength mean, God? And I looked it up and it means dynamis, dynamite power. It literally means Sarah receives some supernatural element of power to have a baby. So by faith, she didn't do anything for it. She, no one, like, listen, man, she probably had a hundred people around her saying, just go to another man. Maybe he's got a seed or get Abraham's uncle like Abraham did with, with Hagar. Just get somebody else who's maybe better in the bedroom who can give you a baby. I'm sure many people said, look, God's promised it to you, but it doesn't always come the way you think God said it. You know, we always have these human reasonings concerning his promises, but God doesn't have any reasonings. He has what he said. And we need to have in our conscience, in our mindset, in our consciousness toward him, we need to have just purely what God said and just leave it there and, and follow him. And I'll show you where that leads. So she said to God, she goes, God, I have faith in you. And it says the moment she had faith, now, we read this verse, Hebrews 11, 11, and we always say that word as a prophetic thing, like 11, 11, it's transition time, you know, and we wake up in the morning or at night or whatever, 11, 11, actually, that's pretty late in the morning. Um, we, we wake up at 11, 11, or we see it on a number plate, 11, 11, transition. Yeah, I want to tell you, that's true. You are going through a transition, but the biggest transition you'll ever go through and the biggest experience of shifting from one place to another will be the shifts in the inner man. It won't be the external circumstances. Those things will change. But the shifts in the inner man have already secured what is going to happen in your future. If you get this thing in here correct, if you can have it correct toward the Lord and correct toward his word, the way you live toward life itself will be different, completely different. So when I read 11.11, I think, okay, 11.11 here is concerning faith and it's concerning a moment of transformation for Sarah where she believed. Now, if we look back in the Old Testament, doesn't look like Sarah believed because she was in the discussion with Abraham saying, listen, I don't know how I can have a baby. She laughed at God face to face and God said, you laughed. And she said, no, I didn't. She even lied to God when he was right next to her. I mean, most people had dropped dead in Acts chapter five, they did, but God was extremely merciful to Sarah. And she's like, I didn't laugh. <laughs> and she's like, he's like, you did. And because of the, your laughter, the first child, actually his name will mean laughter. Abraham, Isaac, Isaac means laughter. And that's true. She ended up calling him Isaac. And I'm sure she had a good old laugh when she held him. But because she remembered, I remember that day, Abraham, that I laughed at God face to face. And he's like, yeah, yeah, that was great. <laughs> you know, like that really would have freaked him out, I reckon. But, but that day that she did this, when she chose to doubt God, laugh, she had all these problems with her and Hagar. She kicked her out of the camp. Hagar had, and you know, listen, we're still paying the price of her and Abraham's unbelief in the promise. We are paying that price now because she had an Ishmael. And we're paying the price in this generation for that unbroken, that, that unbroken faith, that, that, sorry, the broken faith that she had. We're paying the price today for that broken faith. Because she chose to let Abraham go with another person. And when that happened, you know what happened, man. You know the outcome. I'm not going to go against, I'm not against any religions or whatever. I'm not saying that. All I'm saying to you is we're still paying a price for unbelief. But God has an interesting way in the New Testament, the New Covenant, of calling what you called unbelief faith. What did she have? She had a laugh at God. She laughed at him face to face. Next minute, what she did, she consulted with her husband to get another girl pregnant. And then she kicked the girl that he got pregnant out of the camp. And then God wrote in Hebrews 11, 11, you are faithful woman. Doesn't really make sense unless God is the only person who can determine your future destiny. And God was. What she had was not necessarily the best road of faith, but what she had was perseverance. It was rocky, but she held on. Some of you wonder, you're like, oh, did I have unbelief? Was that unbelief? I had a bad thought toward this and I had a bad thought toward God and will he come through and X, X Y, and Z? And you wonder, oh, I was in doubt and maybe it won't happen now because I doubt it. Maybe God's super mad. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe he looked at you and he went, yeah, you doubted, but you came back to faith. Yeah, you had a time of questioning. The devil was in your ear and went, look what God hasn't done because he always does that. Look what God didn't give, like he said to Eve. But you came back. You went, no, no, no. God's a covenant-keeping, promise-keeping God. So Abraham and Sarah were called by God in Hebrews 11, people of faith, even though their circumstances were people of great unbelief and compromise. God changed the script, and he has the right to do that with you. If you come back to him, he makes it like that, all new. And he can rewrite your future. 
By faith, Sarah herself received strength. That word strength, like I said, is dynamis. Hebrew, the Hebrew connotation for that word is conceived. It says Sarah received. The Hebrew connotation is she received grace to conceive. She got grace to give birth. Some of you are wondering, you're like, how am I going to get through this situation? It never changes. My husband never changes. My daughter who fell away from God is in extreme rebellion. My financial life, every time I give, I give the 50 bucks, but it never comes back. And God said he would bless me, but it just doesn't seem to come back. I'm broke again week to week, month to month. And that's normal life. I have this relationship issue with this person. It never gets resolved. I prayed a hundred times, but they always judge me. It never gets resolved. God is not looking for your ability to resolve it. Sarah had zero ability to have a baby. She was 90, 9-0. But all she had the ability to do was to trust somebody who said something to her, and that person seems to have a history of doing absolutely everything he said he'd do. When she, when she thought in her heart, okay, Abraham's gone off with Hagar. This is really twisted. I'm 94 now or whatever I am now. When she thought in her heart these thoughts of unbelief or saw the circumstances that were not working at all in her favor, and her husband, it says in the Bible, was as good as dead concerning giving a seed to a woman. As good as dead. It says she had faith in her heart. Now, when she had faith in her heart, it says she received grace to conceive. In other words, this dead womb she had at 90 years of age, of age received resurrection life into it. This problem you're having with your husband, you need to begin to believe what God originally told you about your husband so that once again, God can place resurrection life in your spirit about the whole situation. It doesn't matter that the $50 you gave hasn't come back as $5,000 yet. It doesn't matter that your finances are still under, feel like they're still under control. As long as you stay in the lane of faith, resurrection, grace-conceiving power is headed toward you. It's absolutely impossible for God to lie. It's not possible. And then it says this, it says, she had strength to conceive seed and she bore a child when she was past the age. This is very interesting for us because we think, oh, I'm past the age. God told me I should be preaching and doing stadiums by now. God told me I should have planted a church by now, 49. God told me my husband should have repented by now. We should have a better marriage now. This all should have happened by now. Who here feels like, no, I'm actually spot on God's timing for breakthrough. No, everybody that comes up to the prayer is like, I've been praying for this for years. It should have happened by now. All of us feel like it's already long gone. Why? Because we want a microwave breakthrough. God doesn't want a microwave breakthrough. He wants to form Christ in you. And, and sometimes it is a microwave, but sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's the simplicity of saying, God, your unchangeable nature will become my anchor. And in that anchor and that steadfastness, Christ begins to come up out of you. And you inherit a faith that only Jesus alone can have toward God. And when you're in that fellowship and communion, the circumstance hasn't changed one bit. But all of a sudden, there's this tremendous truckload of grace inside you. Grace to conceive that promise. Powerful. Here we go. She was past the age, but she bore a son. And it says, because she judged God, faithful. She judged the Lord. Me and Matzah looked up the word judge yesterday. The word judged here does not mean what you and I think it means. Like I said before, God made the heart to discern life. Watch over it with all diligence because it's made to discern circumstance, life, people, uh, relationship, friendship. It's made to discern everything and everything we're involved in everything we do and everything we're involved in it's made for that it's made in worship when you get all those silly thoughts like you can't stop thinking about i don't know like you know the, the show you watched last night and you're supposed to be adoring god and you're sitting there like why am i thinking about all this and you get condemned then the heart begins to discern that condemnation you go no no i'm just going to keep worshiping you know the heart begins to push away the thing that is deflecting you and disempowering you from godly ability it begins to take you back into what it means to be a son what it means to be a daughter what it means to adore your dad the heart does that not the mind the mind blocks out the thoughts, the mind attacks and has war and all those things, but the heart is the thing that steers you back into true communion. It really does, because real communion begins in the spirit. 
It begins at the heart. And obviously, we all know this, but the kingdom is a heartfelt matter. It's always a heartfelt matter. It's never a matter of like, oh, I'm thinking my way into transformation. No, thinking transforms you. But it says this in Romans, we've got it a little bit wrong, where it says, you know, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It doesn't say renew your mind and this one area will get transformed. It says be transformed. It's a holistic statement. Every part of you will be different by making sure your mind thinks like your heart. Because your heart knows God. People say, it's got to drop from my head to my heart. No, actually, it's the other way around. It's got to drop from, go from your heart up to your mind. Because in your heart, you know Jesus. In your heart, you can discern God is good. Where does the war come in? The war comes in the inflicting thoughts that God has forsaken me. My husband never changes. My finances do not change. I tried to go for that job. It's the fourth job I went for, and I didn't get it. The mind wars over those things, but the heart recalibrates you to the truth and the nature of who God is. This is exactly what happened with Sarah. You know why it happened with her? Because she had a lot of issues on the outside. She's looking at little Ishmael. She's looking at happy Hagar. She's looking at happy husband. He's like, I don't care. I just got a kid, you know. He's, she's, she's in a, a weird circumstance, and she remembers the, the face-to-face encounter with the Lord. Face-to-face. Now, I don't know if she could literally look at him. Some people say that when Jesus rocked up like that to them in their tent, that he was covered in a, in, a, in a veil. I believe that to be so because the Word of God says no one can look God in the face and live. And I know John Paul Jackson had an experience where the Spirit of the Lord came close to him and it said, he said his flesh was jumping off his bone. Same thing with Jesse DePlantis. He said he was in agony the day after the Lord visited his room, in agony in his body because this human vessel was not equipped to carry the full glory of God. That's why we get a new one. Aren't you glad about that? No, no wrinkles, ladies. L'Oreal's out of business in heaven, man. No wrinkles. You, you, it's going you, to rock you like a hurricane. You look in that water in the, in the rivers of, in, in heaven, you'll be like, I look amazing. And your husband will be like, you look amazing. And the angels, yeah, you do. You look amazing. You're going to look amazing. <laughs> Bit of a rabbit trail. I'll come back to the faith here. Some of you girls are like, hallelujah. This is the promise that the Lord has spoken over me. No wrinkles, Jesus. Stay in the glory. See what happens. Hallelujah. God, may my face shine like yours. You don't want people to see Jesus. You want people to see no wrinkles. Be careful on that. May they just see you through me, Lord. That perfect complexion. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Sarah was past the age, but she conceived because she judged God. She judged him. The heart was made to discern where is he at, who he is. What is he doing? How can, I, how can I position and posture my heart correctly to receive what his nature truly is? And we say, no, 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 we don't judge God. Yeah, you do. People come up to me on the prayer lines. They're like, I feel like God's forsaking me. That feeling was a judgment. I feel like my husband never changes. That feeling was a judgment. Why? Because it's in conflict to the faith of what God said he is. It's in conflict to the promise that he gave you. But guess what? He's not forgotten the promise. And he's not forgotten who he is. And he has the, the ability to rewrite the script of doubt and turn it into faith when you get back in your heart and judge him faithful. All of a sudden, you receive grace to conceive seed. And you're like, this promise I waited for for years, now it's not about the promise. It's about the fact that I know my dad's nature. And it will come to pass. And it will. There's absolutely zero shadow of a doubt chance that it won't because God has never failed one single human being alive. She judged God faithful. Matsu and I looked up the word judged. You know what the word judge means? Let me read it to you. It's so powerful. I was like, what the heck? It means to lead your own heart. Oh. Okay, so I'm walking through an issue. I have a relationship issue. God, you promised me a wife or you promised me a husband. And this isn't it and it doesn't seem whatever it seems, okay? But you promised me, Lord. Why is it that Sally got married next to me and Johnny got married last week? Well, let's, let's say it's something else. You promised I'd be in ministry. And there it is. Dan's getting exalted. He's doing a, a stadium event in Margaret Court. But you promised me that thing, Jesus. And all of a sudden, you're thinking in your heart about why God this and why did that and why he has blessed that one. Why that CD came out and it just went so amazing? Why did my CD come out and no one bought it? Why, God, why? These questions come up in the heart. Whether we believe it or not, they do. Whether we admit it or not, they do. But that's a beautiful thing because the heart was made as a beacon to discern who the Lord is. 
But, but Sarah, in this midst of this wrestle, had the opportunity, and so do you, to put a fork in the road and say, a why in the road and say, never again will I go down a path or believe a lie or begin to think about my Father in heaven in a way that does not judge him completely faithful. And so she made a judgment choice. She made her own fork and went, okay, this is what's happening on the outside. Nothing is changing. This is what Abraham's doing. And often we do this. When we see relationships happen in a wrong way, or our husband, or our best friend, or whoever it might be, treats us badly, we say to God, we kind of put him in the people box, as if God has sovereignty over the way every person has treated you. People have come to me on prayer line and said, I was rejected by the church, as if it was God who rejected you through the church. Now you've got beef with God. I'm angry at God. Why? Because it didn't work out for me in church. Well, don't be mad at God. You can be mad at the people. But if you don't get over that mad and you begin to put God in the people's space, what will happen to you is you'll make your own fork in the road and your heart will begin to believe that God is a forsaking father and he's just like people, but he's not. She had every right. Look at Abraham. Look what he's doing. But you promised Abraham face to face and he hasn't obeyed you. She had every right. Look at Hagar. She's younger than me. Of course she had the baby because she's younger. I'm old. Why would you promise a 90-year-old God? Why would you do that? Why would you promise a 90-year-old a child? She's young. Of course she has a baby. She could have easily done that. She made a fork because the Bible says, and the word for judge here is lead your own heart. She led her own heart into you are faithful. You are faithful. And what happened? God went, yes, I am. And she received power, dunamis, grace to conceive. Some of your breakthroughs that you're asking for are right on the end of the simple judgment of you are faithful and I'm never again even looking at that road. And as soon as you do that, you're like, bang, all of a sudden, why is this all changing? And God's like, because the whole time it was never about the circumstances, it was about how you believed, who you believed I am. Very powerful. Turn over to Romans 4, verse 17. See, faith is understood in relationship. It's not understood in just as a word faith. Real faith is really, it should be spelled trust. It's understood in relationship. It's worked out through relationship. A lot of you are wondering, you're like, you're like how can this change? You know, that's true. You should be wondering that. Or, you know, or we meditate on why hasn't it yet? Or, or how's it going to? We're trying to find the answer. The question is not so much how, but now I'm going to change it. I will. I'll lead my own heart into a place of transformation. It's not how. Forget how. God's the God of how. When he told me, like, do a stadium, hire a stadium in Nuremberg. <laughs> sure. Awesome. Good one. <laughs> hire a stadium. Yeah, okay, cool. God brought a person, brought Yvonne, brought different people, brought friends. All of a sudden, we're, we're in this process, and I'm like, okay, let's do it. Let's, he said to do it, let's do it. And then you find out the costs, and you're like, <laughs> the costs. <laughs> you, you didn't tell us about that when this whole initial discussion came about $900,000 and all this stuff, and I have to travel all over Europe and I have to fly back and forth from America 23 times or whatever it was, you know. I have to do all this stuff. God didn't tell me that. He didn't give me the privilege of telling me that. You know why? He gave me a better privilege of relationship through knowing his nature. Way better. Faith is worked out in the day-to-day, one-on-one, wise in the road, where you judge him faithful in your heart. Romans 4, 17. I know the verse, I, just, I can just quote it, but because um, I might lose it here somewhere. It says, as it is written to Abraham, I've made you the father of many nations. In the presence of him, God, God said to him, I've made you the father of many nations. He believed him. God who gives life to the dead and calls things that do not exist as though they were. Abraham knew that well because he couldn't conceive seed and his wife couldn't bear it. But God calls you and says, hey, you don't believe that, that I can even do this through you, but I believe I can do it through you. You think you've so failed in marriage and you got divorced two times and you've so failed and everything's a failure and, and how are you going to do this? You, you can't trust yourself in marriage. That's all the voices of the enemy. It's all the voices of self-doubt. It's all the voices of self-punishment. Oh, you had a porn addiction for 10 years. How are you ever going to be trusted with a woman? These are all the voices of discouragement, self-doubt. They, they disempower you. They take you. The, the, the aim is to take you out of the game, so to speak. Because God is not trying to make you even win the game. He wins. Everything's in God's favor. That's the crazy thing we heard the other day. Everything is in God's favor. You think it has to be in yours. It's already in God's. He wins. Jesus always wins. 
the, the thing is, he's not trying to get you to, how am I going to win? He's not trying to do that. What he's trying to get you to do is to realize that every single battle in history, you look, flick through the Old Testament, everything David did, everything Joash did, all these different people, every battle in history, the prophets, Amos, Isaiah, all of them, every single thing, the armies that just were crushed, the walls of Jericho, all of that had nothing to do with man's ability. Walking around a wall, this wall is going to fall down soon. Imagine doing that around the like Sydney Harbour Bridge. This bridge will fall, you know, by you trumping around. It's not going to happen. I'm not saying we're going to do that. Please don't put that in the recording somewhere and put that on today tonight. But um, that's got nothing to do. That's the or or a current of fear, whatever that show is. Little jab there, because that's what it is. Did you wake up tired in the morning? You have the new sickness. No, no, no. I just didn't sleep enough. A current of fear. I don't watch that garbage. I watch this. You might have evidence to the contrary about what you need breakthrough and where you need to have faith, but God doesn't have any of that evidence. God, God, God doesn't look at you, your evidence, and go, you know, listen, man, you've, tr- you've really tried to give, and I've, I've got all the evidence of all the times you've given, but I also have all the evidence of the times you were ripped off, and it's just going to be tough for you. We, I, I'll, I'll talk to you, I'll love on you, I'll bless you, but it's going to be hard for you. It's going to be a tough journey for you. God has none of that evidence. All he has in his mind and heart toward you is, you remember what I said? Get ready, it's coming. That's all he has. If you don't believe me, read the Bible because it says, let your yes be yes and your no, no. Anything more than this is from the wicked one. So God's not talking to you from the wicked one. If he promised you, he surely meant it. And God's just sitting there with his promise waiting till you surely believe it. Verse 18, who contrary to hope, love that word. In other words, hope against hope. In hope, he believed. That's all he had to hang on to. Contrary to hope, he chose hope. Another why in the road, he judged God. Contrary, he's like, there's no hope. So I'll choose hope that doesn't exist. He made a why in the road. He judged God in his heart, faithful. He chose not to get mad. He chose not to put God in the, in the human box and maybe you tricked me. Maybe you dangled a carrot. He chose to never let God get in that space and he led his heart, led his heart through a judgment that God is the God of hope. It says when he did that, he became the father of many nations. It doesn't say that he became the father of many nations when a million people had many, many babies. It had nothing to do with that. It doesn't say Sarah received a baby and then conceived. It says, no, she conceived strength when she had faith. The baby comes later. The promise comes after. And then you're like, ah, look at this baby. Ah, look at the multitudes of millions of people. You promised to be in my loins. But it wasn't the people. It says he became the father when he believed. David was a king before he got the crown on his head. I'm sorry, that baby's crying. I'm sorry, sweetheart. Maybe she's weeping for us. God, let him get it. <laughs> let me get it. Pray for me. <laughs> yeah. so, shall, so shall your descendants be, verse 19, he says, and not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body. Some of you are way too much considering you. Some of your mind is like, my mind's on me, the problem, the issue, the issue, this, that, and the other. You know, God doesn't want you to think less of yourself, but he does want you to think about yourself less. You need to. That's why he said, be selfless. He doesn't want you to think less of yourself. I degrade my life. I degrade, I'm falsely humble. I'm never going to inherit that. I'm just going to be a preacher that talks to five people because it's about the, it's not about the multitude. Stop, stop trying to convince people that God doesn't want to make you great in his kingdom. Stop trying to do that. Just love God and let him just put his dreams and heart in you. Just stop trying to make yourself so falsely humble that people respect your false humility. That is a form of pride. You know why? Because the Bible says whatever is not of faith is unbelief and it's doubt and it's sin. So if you want to live in a place where you're constantly doubting yourself and your eyes are on you, be in that place. But you know what happens to people in that place? We think we get a pat on the back. Oh, he's so humble. He's just a faithful guy. No, you're not humble and you're not faithful because God doesn't call you faithful because you can be faithful and go to church and put a few you know, offering cards in the bucket and pack up the church. That's not what God sees as faithful. God sees faith as faithful. Faith. God, you didn't get that. Help me, Jesus. Help me, Lord. 
<laughs> if you come to church and you pack up the tissues and you do all that, God's like, that's good. He loves servanthood. He loves that kind of servanthood. But if you're just trying to live a, a dulled down destiny with false humility, saying, well, I'm not called to the big things and I'm not called to... You're saying that because you feel like in your own soul, there's no ability for you to accomplish it. Or you've gone past the age and you're too much considering yourself instead of considering God's word. And I understand why. Because the devil's in our ear a lot. I get it. But that doesn't mean we have the right to back down of what God said. It's hard for me to say that because some of you I really value. And, I, and we have in our huge events in Europe, we have people that come and, and, they, and they make the rooms look beautiful. And they clean the toilets. And I would clean it with them. And in fact, I do. I don't, t- I, I should never have said that. Sorry, Jesus. I told God I'd never tell people that. I should, it just came out then. I'm so sorry. But I do, actually. And I do it not because I think I have to be falsely humble and get down in the low places. I do it because greatness is servanthood as well. But I'm not going to dull down a destiny that God himself promised. When I see people like Abraham, it says he did not consider himself. The biggest problem you're having is you're thinking about you. You're thinking about all your history and, oh, I, was, I should be in ministry now. I'm 46 and God promised me at 31. Well, what are you going to do? Just keep ticking over the years and counting the should be's? I should have been. Get up. Stand in front of heaven. Look up at the stars. You know, they've done studies, scientific studies, and they say it's almost impossible for any human, not just born again, any human to look up at the stars, no matter how depressed they are, no matter if they're in a divorce situation, it's almost impossible for any human to look up at the stars and immediately think badly. Because hope comes into their thoughts. Because they see the God of all hope who stretched out the heavens and the universe, it declares and testifies that he is a promise-keeping, fulfilling God. That your destiny has greatness in it. Not arrogant greatness, but his greatness. That he may be glorified. Don't consider yourself so much. He wasn't weak in faith. Well, hello. I'm about 15 minutes away. Bit early, but that's okay. Bit early. This will really, this will soothe the hard part. You know, I'm just kidding. Now may you repent in this music. I'm just kidding. You know how we do that? Someone always comes, it's time for repentance. Repentance music. Oh Lord, I'm so sorry because the piano made me feel like I'm sorry. (laughs) Don't we do that in church? It's like when it's time. Here comes my transformation with music in the background. You never have that in any other place. In the work meeting, like when they, you have a big work meeting or a conference and they say, we're going to teach you right now how to change your life and your steps. You never have, here comes my five-point plan of my future. I'm going to make a million dollars in the first year. <laughs> it's only in the church. <laughs> Sorry, I just went off another tangent. I'm considering myself too much. Excuse me. Not being weak in faith. His body was already dead. He was since about 100 years old. And the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promise of God, God through unbelief. You know what that means? He staggered not. That's what that word means. I didn't stagger. In other words, yeah, the, the road was windy. Yes, I had to choose God. Yes, my heart had to open wide and say, he seems he's unfaithful. But no, I choose he's faithful. I judge him faithful. He had that. But you know what? The road wasn't always perfectly straight. He made mistakes along the way. He had thoughts of unbelief along the way. But you know what happened? Abraham got that fork in his heart and said, my heart was made to judge and I will judge God faithful. My wife will judge God faithful. And you know what it says about Abraham? He did not consider himself. He didn't think of Abraham. He thought of God's word. And when he did that, it says he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief. Some of you are like, God said he'd do it, but it's been years and bang. And all of a sudden you're staggering. It's not the years. It's not your ability. It's not the time. Contrary to hope, contrary to everything that's shouting at you, saying, my husband, my wife will not change. Contrary to hope, what did God say? Contrary to hope, what did God say? Let me tell you about me. They're going to put up a a thing on the picture up here. I sent it to Marcus. This is in my bedroom, this picture That's my bedroom. Welcome to my bedroom. Feels nice, actually. Sam's been there, doesn't it? My bedroom. Wait, oh, Sam. Oh, he's not. This is my bedroom. On the right-hand side there, I cut out a little piece of a magazine that says Covenant. 
And then I got a bonky picture and Ryan Hart's there and, and Daniel Kalender's there and he's in his early 20s at that point. And I was in my room and the only phrase that I felt to put up on my wall above this bonky picture was God is able because I knew that at that time I was involved in sexual sin. I was addicted to pornography, not an addiction of a daily addiction or anything, but I kept slipping back into it once every few months. And I was a slave still as a Christian. This is some nine, ten years ago. But I saw this photo. I saw him with his hands like that. And I thought, God, I remember when I first was born again, the very first week that I went to church, I remember going to church as a little baby Christian. And baby Christians are the best Christians because they have no idea how to sound politically correct. They have no idea that they shouldn't have said that. They have no idea. It's the best place. I love hanging out with baby Christians because they're smarter than us. You know why? Because if you tell a little baby, go and run up the back there, there's a big bunch of chocolate for you. They're just like, ah. Like, they'll run all the way up there. They believe there's chocolate. They believe there's a mountain of it. It's a rainbow of chocolate up the back. But when we, did you really bring your chocolate? And you know, We grow up into unbelief. We grow into unbelief. It's demonic. It's sensual. It's worldly. We consider ourselves too much. So I put that on my wall. And I said, God, I struggle with porn. I've used women, I've hurt people, I've hurt myself, and I don't believe what you said anymore. But I remember something. I don't feel, if I consider myself, I don't feel I'm able to do anything like that. But I remember something. I remember that when I was first saved, a couple of weeks old in Jesus at the church, someone put on a video or something about crusades or something happening somewhere. And I turned to a person after the video had finished and said, I looked him in the eyes like this because the Holy Spirit spoke to me in that moment when I was a young believer. And he spoke to me. And I looked at the person and I just repeated on loudspeaker what God whispered in my ear. And I said, I'm the next Reinhard Bonnke. And they looked at me and went, uh, you're a young Christian. You've got a lot of zeal and you'd need some wisdom and blah, blah, blah. And that's okay. I didn't get that. I didn't get what he, why he was a bit like taken back by it because people would think that's arrogant but I heard my dad whisper in my ear and now that was before the sexual sin it was before my struggles it was before everything that I failed at it was before my life was a mess but he put that anointing on me like he did on David he put that anointing that grace to conceive like he did on Sarah who failed and so I'd look at it and I'd say this one thing. I'd say it over myself. I'd say it over my circumstances. And I'd say it, most of all, to the glory and thanks of my Father and your Father. This is not about me. This is about how He spoke to you. I'd say, God, you are able. I used to live in a friend of mine who's up the back there, her and her, husband, her wife, Alicia and Peter. I used to live in their house and I, was, I had the anointing, but I was a mess. Broken relationships, rebuking pastors in Melbourne. And here I was on my face, three days ago, holding hands with all the biggest pastors of Australia, some of who I rebuked. And I said, God, you're so faithful. You're able. And Dan Hagen booked a hotel in the city for the night for the Awakening Australia pre-event with Heidi. He booked the hotel that I committed the most debaucherous sins in. And God gave me room 111. And I said to Darren, I was like, huh? I don't really want to, it's weird that I'm in this hotel, man. Like, you have no clue. I've done bad things in this hotel. And God's like, I'm a redeeming father. Didn't I promise you? The whole time, the whole walk, all I had to do was judge him faithful. God, but you said, yes, I've messed it up. Yeah, I'm a failure. There is no doubt about it. There's nothing I can do to change what I did. There's nothing I can do to inherit that. It's not possible by me. My circumstances, I failed the grade book. I'm X'd out. But I believe you're merciful. And I believe that you are not Ben. You are able. He didn't waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith. And he gave glory to God. Some of you need to just do that. You just need to say this tomorrow, today. You need to go home to your bedroom, put a little thing there or put something that God's promised you, a little picture of your wife or, or your mum who's not born again. You just say, God, thank you that you're able and you need to just give glory to God. 
before you've seen it. You need to conceive by the thanksgiving of the gospel. You need to conceive by giving glory to Jesus Christ, saying, thank you, God. If you promise me, you've never lied to a human who's ever existed. This morning, the Lord wants you to learn to lead your heart. Instead of judging him unfaithful, repent of it and judge him faithful. Instead of complaining about how come my dad died, my dad committed suicide and he was a Christian. I have many reasons to believe that God doesn't intervene, stop things, and God isn't faithful. Frank could have some of those reasons because someone committed suicide the day before he found the one who didn't. There's always mystery, but in the mystery, we choose, as the Bible says, like Sarah judged God, we judge that Hebrew word to lead my own heart into the reality that if he said it, he will surely do it. And he'll never lie to you. Let me finish with one, this one point. I'll finish with this. It's actually Psalm 77. It's verse 11. David said this. He said, I'll remember the years of the Lord. The years, years and years and years. And he said, I'll appeal to the years and the works of the Most High. When I look at Bonky up there, I can say, I remember the work of the Lord. Young 24-year-old Daniel I remember the work of the Lord. I can look at the failures in the Bible, like people who failed it seemingly like Sarah and Abraham who chose a promise in his own strength through a, a false uh, a promise through Hagar. He chose to make the promise of God happen. I can see the failure, but I can remember the faithfulness of God. I can remember the works of the Lord. They're of old. He's never denied you. You've been lied to by the devil. God has never denied you of anything. It says every good and perfect gift comes from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, James 1.17. It says that all the promises of God, 2 Corinthians 1.20, are yes and amen in God. It says about, about the spirit of liberty, it says, now the Lord is that spirit. He's that spirit, it says. And what spirit is it? It's a spirit of liberty. He's not that one that condemned you. He's not that one that told you you failed. He's not that one that said you never did it right, so you can't inherit it, you missed your chance. He's not that spirit. It says in 2 Corinthians 4, the Lord is that Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. There's liberty. And that's the liberty that God wants you to attain. You need to understand everything. This God says it's in His favour. He's just waiting for you to believe that all things are in His favour. You may not have been favourable. You may have screwed it up massively. So did I. But guess what? I got a text from Reinhardt the other day. And a phone call from him three weeks ago, encouraging me and championing me to run into the stadiums. How could that be possible? And it's not about me. It's not about, I'm not talking about Ben. I'm not saying, oh, wow, he did this. No, I didn't. I did nothing. All I did was put that little sign in my bedroom and fix my eyes on it in the morning when I had a bad dream and a nightmare about all the sin I'd done. When condemnation whoo, just flooded my thinking. When I'd get up in the morning feeling disgusting as a Christian because I'd been kicked out of three churches, I'd just look at that. God is able. I'm definitely not, but I made a fork in my heart that said, you're able to do anything with me, regardless of what I've done. Some of you have written yourself off. You need to write yourself back in because God is trying to Hebrews 11 your life and write you back into the story and he's going to end it and go, she had great faith. And you'll be like, did I really? And you'll get to heaven and Jesus will go, hello, my faithful one. You're like, oh, I was like the least faithful. He's like, no, that's not the story I wrote. It's time to stop questioning our dad. God gets a hard rap. People blame him like a credit card. Something goes wrong. Everything goes wrong. Where was God? Where was God? We put people in the God box and you put yourself in the God box. You're considering too much of yourself and not enough of him. You think you've lost your destiny. You think you've gone too far. You think that you need to do 12 steps and 10 steps and you need this X, Y, and Z to get to a place of real humility and freedom. Then God will put grace on me. No, you just need to get real. You just need to be real. You just need to be real with your heart. God sees it anyway. People like put all this fake facade stuff, this, oh God, oh, oh humble thee, and all this, they put all this fake stuff on. And God's like, I see everything you're thinking on the inside anyway. I see everything you're thinking. Like you can say all the words you want in front of people and to, to even me in your bedroom, you can say them in your car, God, I'm so sorry. And you've told me 800 times that you're so sorry. But I see that inside you, you actually don't want to keep saying sorry because that's burdening you. You're hurting and I'm getting no glory out of this. All, the, the, all that I'm doing is I'm getting caught between a conversation between you and the devil constantly and you need to make a why in the road today and say, from now on I make one judgment. I judge hell as unfaithful and I judge God as 100% completely faithful in everything. Are you ready for that? Are you ready for that? Because some of you are like, dude, I'm struggling with porn. I'm doing this. I've done that. I've done that. Yeah, cool. You need to repent. You need to get it right. You need to fix it. You need to do 
need to change something. But you don't have the ability to inherit your destiny. You don't have the ability to fill stadiums. I don't either. You don't have the ability to save souls even. Only the Holy Spirit can convict a soul to be saved. All you have the ability to do that God gives you, this remarkable ability, like a husband would give to a wife, like a wife would give to a husband. You have the ability to receive of His grace-conceiving, life-giving power, and you have the ability by His sovereign grace, according to Proverbs 4.23, to watch this thing and watch how many times it gives praise to God instead of questioning His nature. How many times it can glorify and create intimacy, connection, and history with your Father instead of constantly condemning His and your nature. You have this beautiful ability of actually judging God as faithful. And it's the last judgment and the only judgment you'll ever be able to put on Him. And you know what the best part is? He wants you to judge Him that way. I'll say this, it sounds really weird. God wants you to judge Him. God wants you to open wide your heart and go, here's my judgment. Everything's wrong. It's all hurting. doesn't seem like anything's working. Hope against hope, contrary to hope. I'm not real good either. I've thought of myself way too much. I'm a bit like Sarah. All the promises that were supposed to happen, we went our own way and did it our own way. Regardless, I, in my heart, choose your nature, your unchanging face, your unchanging love, your intimate, merciful presence. I choose in my heart, God, to judge you and lead my heart into your faithfulness. And guess what happens when you do that? You lead your life into fruitfulness. When you lead your heart into His faithfulness, your life will be led into fruitfulness. When you keep the bitterness, when you hold on to the self-condemnation, the degradation, when you hold on to that, you'll lead yourself into a place of slavery. And you weren't born for slavery. Would you please stand? How many of you believe God is able? <laughs> do you like do you like the uh, Indian little uh, <laughs> the, what's that called again? Elephant? Yeah, man, I've been so flying around so much I forgot what elephants are. Do you like that little elephant? It says the elephant catches the fire. Hallelujah! Covenant God, covenant God, covenant God, unchangeable Father. I want you to do business with the Lord Jesus this morning. I want you to be real with God because He sees what you are and what you're not. And you can say, I've never judged God in my heart. Sure. I've never thought this. No, you have. God made you to. God made your heart to discern who He is. He made your heart to discern, not to condemn God. I want you to lead your own heart this morning to the Father. Say, Father, I'm so sorry. I've gotten to a place of my own self, my own doubt my own abilities, I've begun to get fixed on me. I'm looking at Ben, I'm looking at myself instead of looking at you and your promise. And this message, I pray that as you're doing that, will pierce your heart so deeply that you'll never again do anything but thank God for what he said he'd do. And you'll be shocked and stunned at the inheritance that falls into this house. You'll be shocked at the breakthroughs that happen through this house that actually will touch nations because you will be the ones that represent his true character. If you're in this room and you felt God gave you a call to ministry and you feel you failed that call, do you know how merciful Jesus is? I was a porn addict and now God's using me to fill stadiums. Take that just for yourself. Do you know how merciful Jesus is? There was a man who killed people, 20,000 of them in fact, and now he's a pastor. Do you know how merciful Jesus is in Africa, man in Africa, Liberia? So great Holy Spirit, I ask you by your power, that you would create a fork in the road for their heart this morning. Great King, you would create a fork in their heart this morning that there would be an instant thing where they go, I've been holding on to this bitterness. And if you have, it's okay. And if you're gonna scream and cry and yell at God right now and say, God, I feel like you didn't and you get real with him, that's okay, do it. Let go in this room. Don't try and be pretty. God doesn't want pretty, he wants real. If you need to run down here and get on your face, do it but just thrash it out with Him for a second until your your heart makes that fork in the road and chooses, never again will I say you're unfaithful. And give Him thanks for who He is to you, that He promised you, that He's faithful to you, that if He said He'd break sin, then He will break the sin. If He said He'd retrieve something that was stolen, then He will. But don't be pretty here. I feel like you're being quiet for a reason still. Do not be pretty, it's time to let go. Great Holy Spirit, 
Would you flood into people's heart? Crash through their walls, Lord Jesus. We build up very quick walls around other people, Lord, where we can be intimate and private, but not in public sometimes, God. Would you please just crash through everybody's social walls and and our little walls here, our little times where we're like, it's too much. I don't wanna cry out loud. I don't wanna just say this weird thing. I I don't wanna yell at God. I'm not gonna do that. God, crash through the social walls. Crash through every gate. Crash through every lie. Crash through every seed that said you're not faithful. Through every demonic mindset that said you've missed your calling. God, I pray that you would break down every demonic force that came in with them to this church that is trying to restrain them from the promise and the greatness that you said they were called to. Great Holy Spirit, help them to let go right now. Some of you, I feel I can see a vision of it, like you're gonna burst into tears and fall on the ground, but you're scared to because people are here. Nobody's looking at you. Don't go home the same. Go home different. Repent. And if you put God in the people box and you're mad at God, please ask Him to forgive you. Repent of this today. Judge Him faithful. Stop blaming Him for your hurts as if He hurts you through everybody. He never did. He wept with you. You just don't see it. You are blinded by the pain. He wept with you. Let go of it right now. He wept for you when your dad died. He wept for you. He's faithful. He's a deliverer. He wept for you when that pastor ripped you off and the church spat you out. It wasn't Jesus' church that did that. God, I ask you for more grace, more freedom, more freedom in this room. More freedom in this room. No more judgment of God against God, but judge, we judge you faithful together this morning. We judge you as able, God. You are the God who is able. We judge you faithful. Thanks for listening to another message from Fire Church Ministries. For more messages like this one or for other information, check out our website at firechurch.com.au.